Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, 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 welcome to our Friday show. My name is Charlotte, and I'll be your host for the next hour. I'm just checking right now with our guest. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't know if he got confused on the times. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show. I'll be... Oh, hang on. You know what? I'm just way behind. Let me do this a second. See that? This is what happens. Um, I've been real busy working on... I'm actually getting clients for my, um, for my editing business, uh, so... I've been working on it, and uh, my first client came in uh, a couple days ago, and I've been working real hard on the project, and so I've kind of lost track of time, but I'm here. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'll be your host for the next hour, and we have a lot to talk about today. Let me move this over. Okay. Um, My guest, Jared Murphy, has been on several times before, and uh, he's a great guy to talk to. He uh, recently did uh, travel to Arizona. To check out ancient, ancient civilizations and, and, and stuff like that. So we're going to get an update from him about what he's been doing. Excuse me. I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. Uh, my team is 35 strong in the state of California. And we also have people in Oregon, Washington, and Nevada, and Hawaii. And I want to welcome you guys here. You can check out the website for the radio show at www.californiahaunts.com. Oh, I'm sorry, CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. It's a mouthful. And our regular website is www.CaliforniaHauntsOrg. See what I mean? It's a mouthful. Uh, welcome, and uh, I hope you enjoy the show today. And I want to thank you guys because our numbers are growing. I'm real excited about that. We, we went up by 250 downloads last month. Everything just jumped. It's jumping by about 250 downloads every month now. So I'm really excited about that. Really excited about that. We're all over the world. Um, I want to give a shout out to my fans in Pakistan and Iraq and uh, the Mideast, especially the UK. We've got a lot of fans. So I want to, and the US, of course. Of course, there's a lot of fans in the US, but uh, the Mideast and, uh, and the UK also. Okay, well, without further ado, let me bring on my, my, my good buddy, Jared Murphy. All right? <laughs> Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. It's, uh, well, it's been a few weeks. How are you? I'm okay. Been real, it's been busy. Yeah, yep. Totally agree. It's been um, uh, the, just the, the last few weeks, you know, prepping for that trip that I took to the canyon and uh, just everything else that's been going on and new branding and I'm putting out a documentary soon, man, it's been busy, but you've been just as crazy busy too, I think. So yeah, it's been, it's been, been, great. It's been, yeah, it's going really good. We've, our numbers are, our, our, our download numbers are jumping by two, two to 300 a month now. That's great. Um, I've been, uh, <clears throat> revamping my website and we've been, uh, you know, trying to put out this new content, it's just taking time and it's unbelievable the, you know, the effort, but yeah, I, the, the expedition I did with Rex, you know, it's, it, that took time and 
you know, you can't write when you're on location in the Grand Canyon and try not to fall off a cliff. <laughs> I can understand that. So tell me about the Grand Canyon. Uh, yeah, so uh, four months ago, Gary and I on Everything Imaginable, I, I co-host on everything. So I do my own show, right? Not Aliens. And then I write. Right. And, I, and then, But I co-host on Everything Imaginable. And it comes up again, right? We've all heard about the G.E. Kincaid cave. And I'm like, okay, that does it. Uh, it's not low-hanging fruit. I am a climber. Uh, fortunately, when you are a climber, you have lots of people with thousands of dollars of gear, which is what it takes. You know, it's like you don't just decide. Like G.E. Kincaid was apparently prepared to go up the Col or go down the Colorado River, accidentally see a cave, and apparently had 2,000 feet of rope or enough to belay himself up to a cave entrance to find this cave stuff. And so finally, I'm like, look, why don't we go back? And it and it got planning and i started hearing about like i know scott walter from america on earth mm -hmm. he met that couple that pretty much was sure that they thought they found the location and so the whole process goes into us you and i talking about it just a few weeks ago which i still think is a great interview and i mean as far as like we covered a lot of things so it's like people should look back at you know your archives because there's right. more info on what we're already expanding on and so finally, I'm on Leak Project, and Rex says to me, well, I'm going to go look for it. And I'm like, but I'm going to go look for it. <laughs> so then he's like, we should go look for it. And that's what happened was, okay, well, let's go together. And so we ended up just deciding to meet at, in Tuba on the Navajo Nation because all the people involved, um, Solaris Blue Raven a little bit. Um, she helped a ton. She was going to connect me with all the people that Rex was already talking to. She, she, well, we just basically meshed every, all the expedition together. And the idea was, let's go. Let's plan what it's going to look like to have a bunch of expert climbers come. And we'll set a route. And we'll descend or we'll ascend to wherever this cave is. Mm -hmm. So on that note, you know, big drum roll, right? Um, with our friend who's Navajo, we made our way out. Thank God Rex had, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> I'm so sorry for people who are really into off-road vehicles. It had high, low, four by four. It was a Jeep that had, he had done some customizing. It had the differential. I mean, it, if you don't have the right vehicle, we're an hour and a half from a gas station. We're an hour from a road to get out there to where we were. And we went out and we had equipment with us, 6K and 4K equipment. And on my site on notaliens.com, there is footage that nobody's ever seen. It, it's, um, we, did, we, we did some aerial photography um, and we looked for the cave. And from what we can tell, there's a point in the description of the G.E. Kincaid cave that says uh, he was by these rapids. Well, you have to find out where that is, and that's about mile marker 58. So we were above exactly where that mile marker was, and we mm -hmm. filmed. And we had a Nikon P1000, which is a telephoto-lensed built camera that, you know, you can look at the moon. You can, I, you can literally look at, like, a rock fist-size 
three <laughs> miles away. It's really cool. And it's 4K and it's incredible. And we, for four and a half days, went to multiple locations in the canyon and we were able to locate um, nothing. Wow. <laughs> There's the big reveal. So here's the thing. Could the entrance be collapsed? So mm -hmm. it, and, and the reason I'm leading with this, everybody should keep listening. And here's why. Um, weird thing happened. Uh, we saw Apache helicopters. There was a group of three men that were definitely following us. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not into those kind of conspiracies, but there was definitely a group of three men that were watching us. Mm -hmm. um, I'll get into that. And what's also more important is that let's just say that the cave entrance was collapsed. We have people that were willing to lend us thermal drones, but those start at $10,000. And so thank God someone's offered to lend it to us. We are going to go back likely this month in October. Mm -hmm. um, but on that note, what I want to also bring up is some very interesting things, which is we met some local Navajo guides. And what's really fascinating about it is that these guides started explaining like where their Anasazi bones, uh, caves that look rock cut and not by indigenous people. Like they look more complex. And mm -hmm. then while I'm there, we're chatting. And I find that there are 500 open at a minimum, 500 open uranium mining permits. Um, since the forties and particularly in the fifties and sixties, Arizona has been giving out, of course, the United States, I'm all about the United States government having uranium and nuclear weapons and all that. Right. However, it's really, what was really revealing as a side note for everyone listening, um, there are 500 current active mining permits around and in the Grand Canyon for uranium. And there was a very large mine. Uh, to give you an idea, to just get like a pound of uranium, it's a really hard thing to do. And what happened was is um, Lake Powell, which is not far from Antelope Canyon, Page, Arizona. So everyone goes, you know, which side are you the, you know, north, south? And the canyon really runs sideways. And so I was super confused as to how they explain where the canyon is. When in mm -hmm. reality, it's more like, well, are you on the east side or the west side? I get it might be more whatever. So Page is on, when you're looking at a map of Arizona, Page is more to your right on the east and north. And Lake Powell supplies a lot of water and is a place of, uh, you know, entertainment, recreation. It has 39,000 tons in the bottom of it of radiation tailings from mining uranium. Yikes. Okay, so just now, now for everyone out there to get an idea, that's what they're officially declaring. 39,000 tons. Tailings are crushed rock of whatever you're trying to mine for. You pull out the chunks. You put it through various crushers or cheese graters. If you guys know how to take a cheese, you know, a block of cheese and turn it into, mm -hmm. you know, same thing. Except when you're done, you have a big pile of rocks and they're called tailings. And, you know, they can be really small. They could be bigger. But to get uranium, you know, they 39,000 tons is a lot. And that's what they're saying officially. And they thought, we got a great idea. Let's put it under the drinking water. <laughs> now, 
Now, what's important about it is that even the local <clears throat> Navajo, that now there are other indigenous nations. Um, there have been lawsuits. There is a half a billion dollars that was set aside for cleanup that never actually manifested. So they legislated it and said, we're going to clean this up. And then they never did. And there is radiation dust literally in the air. Ice. And what's interesting is that in four months of me planning this trip, and this is not a manifest on, hey, we need to care about the environment. Mm -hmm. However, the Navajo Nation and other indigenous peoples are breathing <clears throat> piles of what are supposed to be secured radiation dust. And the reality is that there is tailing after tailing that some, even the locals mistake for being um, just, oh, that's, that's a natural pile. And it's like, well, it's the, you know, it's an identical material and it's oxidizing because they would throw different um, metal metallic, uh, different um, chemicals get thrown into or stones to help mitigate and contain the tailings that contained in order to make like a pound of uranium to extract that you're doing thousands of tons, you know, sometimes of, of pulling of rock and mm -hmm. then they have to dump the tailings somewhere and there's other mining. So the issue is it's not just uh, in and around the Canyon, but I just want to focus on this because it leads into the big mystery conversation that everybody wants to have. Like there's all these mysteries around the Canyon and the big mystery is the GE Kincaid cave where it's like they're hiding things. And what is sad in what we're talking about is what's hidden in plain sight. And what that is, is they are trying to litigate or mitigate. Uh, there's some senators and people trying to get mining in the Grand Canyon stopped. However, it's been going on with 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s regulations. And so there's all these mysterious uh, concrete pads where, oh, this is where they craned out. And look, there's a lot more to say on this. We'll, we'll never cover uh -huh. it in this one interview. And there is more detail. And I think for those interested, there's this very interesting history in the canyon where despite four months of research, I didn't know anything about the 500 plus mining permits that are currently open until mm -hmm. I went. It was almost like there's this like extra firewall and you don't get through it until you go do it. I don't know what to tell you, but I, I learned some things sitting in a cafe in, in Navajo Nation in Tuba, which is it's smack dab. It's like six square, six streets basically, but it's cute. There's this great little espresso shop and cafe and their local pizza place is really good. And honestly, if you're going to go see dinosaur tracks is one of the inspirations for Jurassic park. Tuba is a place to go to see like a zillion velociraptor T-Rex, all these herbivores and lots of dino poo that are rocks now, but they're all right in Tuba and that's free to go see. And there is lots of great local Navajo Nation art, and it, it's really a it's really a great stop. And so I'm sitting there doing this research, despite four months of work to prep to go on the trip before we would go out to the Canyon Rim. And one of the things, as an example, to come up with is, and granted, it's a recent article, but there was a an anthropologist who is in charge, one of the guys in charge of Carlsbad. And he was being interviewed about how he, as a paleoanthropologist, uh, Mead is his last name, and it was in the Arizona Gazette, I think. 
and I'll have that posted on my site. But as an example, they were talking about all these mummified remains of uh, ancient or extinct animals and things that are found in the caves. And he made a point to say that there are more caves in the Grand Canyon than in Carlsbad, which is significant. Oh. And they said, we've been, he goes, I'm getting old now, but I have, I'm hoping other people will pick up the, pick up the gauntlet and that of uh, 270 plus miles, we've only explored to follow this one. So for the mystery people out there who are disappointed that I started with, uh, we didn't see the cave. Remember, officially, they've only been looking at 120 miles of 270 plus miles of an unlimited amount of caves that in order to get to, you have to traverse into the canyon on a permit, go up a side canyon, which is up to miles wide, thousands of feet tall. And just to get to the entrance to some of these, there is a group of uh, people that they've identified that are at least from 3000 plus years ago called the stick people. They leave little stick people and they think theoretically that it in these caves. So like of the caves they've gone to, they keep finding these little stick people that are like different sizes. They're in the cave. They carbon dated them to at least 3000 years old. And this is an indigenous Whatever this is, they don't even know who these people are. But of the caves they've looked at in this article, as I'm sitting in Tuba, uh, Mr. Mead, Professor Mead, is saying, look, I've been looking in Canyon, I've been looking in the Grand Canyon since 1969, and we've been in all these caves, and uh, we even had a fire in one because we we unfortunately identified it to the public, and people found it, and we lost all this mummified and, and all this information because somebody burned... A, uh, maybe a fire or something in the cave and they burned the cave and they burned the guano and it, it, it ruined a lot of information. But at the same time, what he was talking about was just to give you an example, there was one cave they found and they said they've gone through it because they gave a number. But just to give you an idea of the 120 miles of caves they found, and it doesn't even say like they're done with it. Like, okay, we found every cave in 120 miles. They have one particular cave that is 40 miles long. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Uh, well, I, and, and, I could, I know with Grand Canyon Caverns, if you've ever been in there, I mean, that's huge. Oh, the, the big one. The, the, one the big on the one river. for the public, yeah. And they haven't even explored all of that yet. Right. It's that and, big. Right? And, and so for everyone out there listening, I mean, and for adventurers, I mean, there's an issue with, uh, there's resistance to giving permits in order to do the work that I think is incredibly valuable and they should do it. They should give out the permits to do the work, but they're mm -hmm. not. And it's really interesting. So like right before I left to go to the Canyon to, to explain how dangerous it is right before I left, they two, two, two guys had also, by the way, I feel like it's really hard to get in the Canyon. Like, why is it so hard to figure this out? Like you would think if you just go to internet search that you're going to find, how to get to the canyon or whatever. It's going to be really easy. It's going to be simple. It's not. So two things. One, Horseshoe Bend, which is 140 miles away. But when you wiggle through the canyon, it's, you know, where we're standing above looking for the Kincaid Cave. If you're on the river and we saw kayaks and boats below us, if you're on the river at the point that we were standing in Navajo Nation and, and doing the filming we were doing, you are five to seven days in on an actual camping trip on the river. Up the river, you can rent. I can't believe this. An outfitter will get you in a kayak. You can go around the famous Horseshoe Bend. 
and it's 130 bucks. I think that's a great deal to be on the river for about five hours. That's yeah. not a bad deal. Um, that's a great deal. But it, it's in, like when I started looking up, you know, I'm supposed to come on and, you know, we're talking to everyone and not be frustrated. I cannot tell you how frustrating it was. Like if you type in the word hiking, hike the Grand Canyon, good luck finding basic information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll get to the .gov right away and you'll get to like, here's this and here's that. But it's so convoluted and so annoying. Like, give me a map of the damn canyon. When you when you keep referring to a campsite, where in the canyon are you referring? What are, like, they make it so frustrating for you mm-hmm. to get what should be, I go to a site, where do I enter the canyon if I want to walk? And what does the trail look like? Why is that hard to find? And it is, it's annoying. Now, if you're a professional hiker and you're used to looking at all these convoluted maps, there's a personality to whoever got the role of programming frustrating uh, (laughs) information for the canyon. So whoever that contractor is, maybe you're used to it at every public park, but I'm not. And it was very frustrating to find that as an example, two days before we left, two guys had day permits. So there are, there were, before I even left, there were heat index warnings that said, don't hike after 10 AM. So if you're going to hike into the Canyon, you know, you're on switchbacks, but mm-hmm. you got to get in before 10 AM because it's so hot. It's over well over hundred degrees and it's so hot that you need to be in the Canyon. You need to be in shade and then don't hike out before 3 PM. Also, you would think that that would be basic common sense info. And I'm telling you something that's going to be easy for you to find. It's not easy. It's annoying. Um, <laughs> on that note, one of the guys, didn't, one of the guys didn't come out of the Canyon and they found him after our search and rescue two days later, because he lost, he somehow like to the best of my knowledge, you get into the Canyon, you have two options left or right. Not a lot of other options. But he got lost and got stuck and he did the right thing. He got he got stuck, but it made international news. And I saw the article that, you know, guy goes down on a day permit and he gets lost and they find him literally on the third day. So he was lost for two days and he didn't come out of the canyon um, to give you that example. And then the other example would be is I come back from our trip and we're at we're at different points. We're with we're with our Navajo friend and guide. We're on Navajo Nation land, but then we're also on public government access land. Again, you need an all-terrain vehicle to do this. You do not go out, not even in a rental car. You will not make it. Um, these are intermediate. I wouldn't call them advanced because I got to hear all about advanced jeeping. This is not like 45 degree inclines, but oh my gosh, this is definitely intermediate to getting advanced Jeep work on what are supposed to be dirt roads, but they are, they are not meant for non uh, equipped vehicles, no way. And so we're, we, we did all this work. And then I come back and two days later, a search and rescue team yet again, got sent out for a guy and they didn't find, well, they eventually found him, but what, who they found first was someone who had been missing in the Canyon for seven years. Wow. Yeah. They, they, they found his body. (laughs) So there was that. And then, you know, the, the Canyon itself, you know, as you're trying to figure out, do you get a day permit? Can you get a day permit? Uh, These people are on lottery to get to these camp trips where you're going down the Colorado river. Apparently there are some stop points where the DNR 
uh, whoever they are, they will find you and they will check to see if you have a permit. You can go to jail if you don't. And so, you know, from an anthropologist and a study standpoint, getting back to the caves, we have 150, um, we have 150 miles that haven't been really looked at at all. You have a mysterious people just in recent times at 3000 years that mm -hmm. they just get called the stick people. The Navajo guides I met at the dinosaur tracks in Tuba, not only were talking about Anasazi and some UFO activity, but they were telling me about some of these concrete pads and also rock cut ruins that are very ancient. So we're going to go back with a thermal drone. I mean, flying device mm -hmm. and not, not a drone. We would not be droning. We would not be doing that. I misspoke. We, we're not droning. But, okay. but we're going to have a really long selfie stick and we're going to look at some of the canyon wall. And while we're doing that, we're also going to be going to some of these locations that were revealed to us in person, which is one of the reasons why you got to show up to some of these places is that the locals were able to tell us about some caves that do not look like they were done in recent times. They look like they're ancient. And then also I started getting footage. They started sharing some footage of these pads that they're like, look, they might, they must've used a crane and they must've uh, dropped, you know, like it must've been heavy. So whatever they got out of the Canyon, they mm -hmm. must've used. Right. So I start looking into it and thanks to a fan, he sends me the most incredible articles about the creation of the FAA. Apparently in 1956 over the grand Canyon on the East rim, uh, a, a, a a TWA and a United flight run into each other. And from the forties on, they really hadn't been tracking planes. Not like we think of control towers. Now you think there'd be some common sense. They were literally relying on luck in the fifties. So 128 people die between the two flights, 70 plus and 50 plus some somewhere in there. Uh, it was 70 something in one and 50 something in the other. They run into each other and the wreckage ends up in the Canyon on these bluffs uh, on the East rim slash the sides we're on. They land above, they land in, they land on. And the first recovery, ironically, the ropes, if you guys go looking for this, the 1956 repelling ropes are still up in some of the areas of the canyon where they did their best to recover everyone and the, at least the people they did their best to recover all the remains mm -hmm. and then twa so what happened was is president eisenhower this is really great for everyone who wants to go back into this the footage of this the, i'll have the articles posted on my site on not aliens this this is incredible because there was no faa until this incident so we are busy looking around for, you know, was there a GE Kincaid cave? Is there a conspiracy? Is there a cover-up? Meanwhile, we're uncovering that there's active military contracts or government contracts to find uranium, which we need for nuclear weapons. And, oh, we also need it for a million medical devices. So this is important stuff. But then I'm uncovering that all of the drinking water in Lake Powell is likely full of radiation, allegedly mm -hmm. at acceptable levels. And then there's stuff showing up in the Colorado River. There's all these permits. And now I have mysterious rock-cut ruins, Anasazi bones that nobody goes and visits that are being crushed by cattle. And I'm finding out that 
um, there is definitely, if not thermal in indicators that the cave may still be hidden and in the exact location where we're supposed to be, but that there are other locations that we need to go look at. And all the while, you know, the last day we have three guys that are totally watching us load equipment at nine o'clock at night. It, it, it was quite a trip. If it was that entertaining enough. <laughs> wow. Wow. I can understand the thing with a lake because I mean, even here, there's a former nuclear power plant and there was a cool off lake for the, you know, for the power plant. And you can't tell me that that water, even to this day, isn't full of radiation and they're boating right. and they're fishing and they're stocking it with trout and people are eating the fish and people are swimming in that sucker. No, 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 don't do that. I see. Look, I'm at the, I'm in Minnesota. I'm basically at the start of the Mississippi. And by the time the water gets to Minneapolis and St. Paul, you don't yeah. want to be fishing it. Yet there's guys that are fishing in it. And they're actually eating the fish. And I'm like, uh, have you seen the Simpsons? I mean, this is some Mr. Burns stuff here. Uh, don't do it. But what's interesting about the pads where I was going with the pads is that yeah. um, some of them might be related to recovering ultimately TWA and, and uh, United uh, mm -hmm. They tried to recover a lot of the wreckage, but sure. in order to but in order to do it, I think some of those pads may be related to the recovery because they actually tried to do a, they didn't do a thorough job originally in '56. They went down for the remains, which was a huge effort and really horrible. But they did it. But then there was another huge cleanup in 1976, and there is photos of all this. It's amazing and. A really great fan and listener sent it all to me, and I really appreciate his work. And I'm going to post all that on Not Aliens. But what's cool, and also may explain what some of the guides were sending us. They're like, it, and and it also goes to show how easily it is we can either get sucked into a conspiracy, or mm -hmm. ironically, there's a conspiracy. A guess what? If you flew out in a plane in 1956, you were literally winging it, and then, and then. <laughs> And then they literally create the FAA, but not before this tragic incident mm -hmm. of these two planes crashing. So there, there's that horrible cover-up. There's the uranium. But now there's these pads because they have to lift this crap out of the canyon. So right. how much of it is mining stuff? How much of it of on the east side are we looking at had to do with uh, maybe the cleanup to these huge engines and uh, different various parts? you know, how much of it had to do with the craning and clear, clearing things up. There is still ruins that you can find uh, from the plane crash that were not lifted away and not taken away. And they're still in situ. They're still sitting there in the Canyon. It's super interesting. And that, that alone, uh, not to mention that I got to see dinosaur tracks and not a couple. It's, it's like acres and acres of what used to be a bog land in tuba and it's 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 cool to see not only different dinosaur tracks where they're walking but they took me over to a set of tracks that are in pairs because it's from a pteranodon or a pterodactyl landing and hopping oh cool it, oh my gosh it was so cool and then they even had uh they would pour water in it for you but they have what really does look like a couple heel marks and not full toes, but it looks like something was like a human was walking in the same boggy stuff. Wow. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. So 
there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about it, but uh, yeah, like you're saying that the isn't that uranium? I mean, yeah. I again, it's like is that really concerning for us now? Yeah, I don't know what their issue is. I, just, I don't know what they're trying to do. I just know we always used to joke. We still, I still joke about it. My dad always said, "He said, you know, it's easy to fish here at night." Why is that? Because the fish glow. <laughs> you know. Uh, it's funny because it's true. That's, yeah, that's, that's that's a problem. And and so now uh, we've been in contact, Rex and I from Leak Project. You know, we have some stuff up. I have been working on putting out a documentary that had nothing to do with this. And and I ran up against two other big deadlines. So I apologize for listeners and fans, but there will be a, a documentary, a short, like 45. Well, it's, I guess it's a full length documentary is going to be released. I, I I'm hoping this weekend and then I'll, I'll announce it and uh, get that out. But the contact between Rex and I about going back and doing the follow-up work. I mean, I, I will tell you, I knew it was going to be hard. I knew mm-hmm. that going to the canyon. And again, if you don't have a bunch of friends that are professional climbers that own, you know, w- w- just to go into the can, we're looking at eight to $12,000 worth of gear. And then you have to take time off from work and you have to have permission. You have to, you know, work with, um, uh, well, you have to work with the locals. You can't do this without, you know, you have to do it with the locals. And all of that requires planning. So I knew it'd be hard, but I thought mm-hmm. that we would go. And with the, with the equipment that leak project brought and what, what I brought, you know, I also brought equipment and cameras and recording devices. And I thought that we would at least locate a cave that there would be something like we would see, well, something. And mm-hmm. We did locate a cave at another section of the canyon, but it, you know, it's a, I don't know if that's from the, the, the other confusion is that during the gold rush, when people were going to Nevada city and in California, Nevada city was the first place of the gold rush of the 49ers. But there were people who were always interested in the grand Canyon that thought, Oh, you know, you're going to run into this. You're going to run into that. Well, ultimately we did run into uranium among other things. And what's even worse when you're, you know, when you're talking about the river, at the at the end of Utah, at the Colorado, like right on the Colorado, there's a tailing pond next to the Colorado River. How does that not like the big open dirty secret about the mm-hmm. Colorado River is the uranium, uh, the the radiation contamination, and it's really kind of depressing a little bit. But I, I think it's important for people to be aware of it, and I I think the government should be less. I think we need to start accepting the fact that we know that we don't have a good government, <laughs> but instead of worrying about who we hang, I, I think everyone would want to clean their, if like we really did get to the costs, I think people would ultimately want to help. I do think that if they were just like, okay, yeah, you guys didn't know what you're doing. You had 1960s, 70s standards and you didn't care, get it. Um, well, it has to be cleaned up. So like, what's the number? What, who, who do we need to hire? I mean, there's Mm -hmm. people that get to be employed. There's, um, a biologist and all sorts of geological experts. I mean, there's so much work. I mean, it's obviously a, a very spectacular task, but I think rather than blaming anyone, I think it should be, uh, put forward as a, a more honest effort to say, okay, look, this is where we're at you know, it's going to be, but it's going to be 50 year cleanup. I mean, whatever they're afraid of hearing, I think we need to move past that because it's a space that, um, 
some legislators in that area are trying to preserve, but at the same time, it's like, okay, I don't want to be in a kayak floating down with, as you put it for your dad, bright glowing two-headed fish. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to breathe those ionized waterfall vapors of, right. You know, right. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to smell the rapids and check my, you know, did I just get a decade worth of radiation for my teeth checkup and, you know, one little rapid trip, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a video on YouTube of these two guys. I don't know. One, one is a photographer and the other one I think is a writer. And they okay. got permission to hike the Grand Canyon. Okay. And they did they, they hike they ended up hiking like 10, 15 miles in the Grand Canyon. But it's a documentary of them doing this hike, and I think you would be interested in it because it's it's something. You know, it's it's, it's it's everything you say it is, you know, with the terrain and everything, what they had to do and how they had to climb around stuff just to be on the trail. Uh, it's crazy. I saw a guy who was carrying an 80 pound pack in his video and he was on a trail that at one point he said, well, the trail at this point is very precarious. It's only to give people an idea, by the way, it's not like there's a, it's not like there's a wall next to me and I can lean into it. I'm saying it's basically like you're at a slope that's not going to help you except help shoot you off. But this guy was describing being on a 10 inch trail with right next to the 10 inches he goes you have to be very careful with your pack because at that point if you slip the first stop is 200 feet uh um no (laughs) like yeah somebody bring a damn shovel come on fix it i mean if that's not my idea of being a badass or that's unnecessary risk i mean right as a ironically as a climber i mean you can take a whipper you could literally shatter an ankle shatter a knee I mean, you could do it instantly as your traditional climbing, you know, you're trying to find using cams and bolts and, you know, and that's not the focus of when you're ascending or descending and you're going to do research, you're not doing it to make it a challenging climbing route. Mm-hmm. So for, for those people out there listening that are climbers, that's not what you're doing. You're just trying to create it a safe way to get a shitload of equipment up because that's the other problem. It's like, when they did their 15 day hike, I can mm-hmm. imagine, I can't even fathom how much just the water alone is what's going to kill you. Like just like how many gallons of water are you bringing? It's like, how are you without a daisy chain of people helping or flying in supplies? I don't know how you would stay in the Canyon, which like I said, so the GE Kincaid cave, you have to think of this guy's in a, okay. Okay. I get it. He's in a canoe or a bigger boat and he's got water. Okay. A keg apparently. Um, and he didn't see the opening according to the articles. There's two articles and they weren't on April fools. They weren't an April fools joke, but he sees what he sees is discoloration. Well, there are many layers in the Canyon. There's a lot of discoloration. So, okay. Why did this stand out? So there's some things now that don't really stand out as a, I think, uh, legitimate i'm not going to say that it's not true yet i'm not i'm not going to say that i'm not i'm not i'm not positive on that but the explanation as to why are there where did the smithsonian take everything Mm -hmm. oh there's concrete pads and it's for the cave and it's like "Mm, no 
it looks like it's maybe for the wreckage or it's for uranium stuff or it's for other mining or it had to do with some uh, exploration in the 60s or 70s in reference to anthropologists. I mean, that's the other problem is that there's an assumption, there's this blind wall of academia where, um, you know, I can appreciate that, you know, that example they had of, you know, Professor Mead talking about, you know, we found this cave and it had, all these mummified remains from tens of thousands of years. And we talked about it and other people hiked in and found it. And they ended up starting a fire that destroyed countless amounts of natural history. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's sad and tragic. And so then they're like, okay, well, we don't want to share uh, the info to, about these caves to anyone outside of our academic circle, which helps keep perpetuating this, um, you know, the conspiracy thing and it perpetuates the, the, this, this blind side that we have when we're trying to work this out for the, I mean, the general public, everyone listening has an interest. Absolutely. You know, it, it's just, it's just crazy. The whole thing's crazy. And like you say, if they, if somebody in the government or somebody collapsed the, they, you know, the, the cave itself, because they're hiding something in there. That then that really... goes back to what the heck are they hiding in there? Right. So if GE Kincaid's description is accurate, um, thermally at night, you're going to be able to see the difference. You'll be able to see, you know, if there's an entrance to a cave, you'll be able to see it. It'll, it will hide It will not hide thermally. Um, but at the same time, in lieu of that, uh, there is no cave entrance in the many miles that are directly, I, I mean, within a mile. I mean, we were like, we were right on top of where the cave's supposed to be. And it's described very accurately against a particular set of rapids in Marble Canyon. So for those wondering, when you read the article, it's like, okay, well, he was downriver, which has been described as upriver and also described as downriver, which is why we looked on both sides. But there is a set of rapids. And he said very shortly before or after these rapids, uh, there's this, I saw discoloration. Well, that's literally the canyon. I mean, between the layers of different sandstones and right, I was thinking, yeah, right. It it mm -hmm. it's like okay, this one stood out for you, okay, but you can't at the point of the canyon the way he describes it, which is true where we're standing, where we videoed, we did some live streaming, which turned out okay, but we were standing at the canyon at three thousand five hundred and sixty give or take feet above the river, so he scaled 2000 feet of very rough, but allegedly, you know, he didn't fall down, but he could have staked rope and pulled himself up. Right. This is a tremendous task. And anyone who climbs or hikes, even if it was an inclined hill, that's one hell of a job because in the article, he says that I saw discoloration, but I couldn't quite see the cave entrance. Well, you wouldn't at 2,000 feet above you. It would be almost impossible. And so he gets up to the cave. You know, he has that uh, revelation that the cave goes inland or in underground to the point where he's, he finds a giant city, kind of. Mm -hmm. But again, if that's what was found... And if, as an example, Professor Mead can talk about there's aquifers in the canyon and there is still an unknown geology to that and a number of other things. So if you have one 40-mile-long cave that may or may not have been formed due to water flow 
or uh, volcanic activity or just whatever it is, there could be, there, there is possibly other caves that are as long or connect to other cave systems sure. that, yeah, that continue on. So that's all possible. And, 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 uh, and for everyone out there who wants to adventure, there's 120 <laughs> miles of the Grand Canyon that for those of you looking to like, and, and as particularly, I'm going to call this out on climbers who are, I know some pretty badass guys that are, uh, and gals that are really frustrated. They, they want an adrenaline rush. They mm-hmm. want, and, and they constantly try to make a harder route for them. It's like, I don't think there's a greater challenge than resolving. Like, would you like to be like the adventures of old, the first person you can still go on this planet and be the first person someplace no one's ever been in modern times. And there's 120 plus miles of the Canyon. That is that, I mean, you know, apply yourselves. Come on, call the arms here. Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's there and it's real and it, it requires logistics and planning and, you know, you can't just pack a car and go, you need to get permission most likely, but also um, why not, you know, when you get down there with the equipment, it's like, there's a logistical nightmare. You've got to get supplies to people. And I don't know what that looks like. You know, maybe it's adding supplies to one of those river groups that are camping at very particular points mm-hmm. and those guys. And apparently that's a two year lottery to do stuff like that. Um, I, I, I just think that there should be a separate vertical Avenue for those that want to attempt the exploration. It's a tremendous amount of equipment, uh, rope bags, like just a rope bag with, cam gear and if you're going to climb like a hundred feet i can tell you right now that my rope bag is any you know depending on what i put in it you know it's 100 to 160 pounds wow wow uh, and and that's not a light that's not light right so now you're supposed to traverse that you know if you're lucky only three and a half thousand feet traverse right. that into a canyon and then you got to haul that crap miles i mean depending on where you are the only unless you're helicoptered in and and dropped there's no accessibility i mean you you're talking about having to physically go down river and again we're standing above at the g Kincaid cave location we were looking down at a campsite that was being occupied by at least 15 or 20 people on their on their group and of that group you know again they they've been on the river at that point for 5 days maybe seven. And that that's like not realistic. If you're going to maintain enough water, enough supplies, even if you did like just prepackaged granola foods right? Um, for you to get with the lightest amount of gear to then meander through the Canyon to sort out, well, I think there might be a cave up this side Canyon mm-hmm. and, and, and the documentary and the pictures for all that for everyone, I'm going to be working on that one next, but it takes some time to put it together and we'll have to chat about it again. Sure. This is fascinating. Yeah. Isn't it? This it's is just... intriguing. Yeah. When you were talking about that 10, that 10 inch trail, you know, people, you have to think about too, the weights of the backpacks and God forbid that the weight shifts on your backpack when you're hiking <laughs> on that trail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that could be uh, ugly. Uh, uh, you know, it's like you go to reach for something, and then you just 
you know, off, off you go. <laughs> yeah, you just dribble right off. Boom. <laughs> That's it, scary it, stuff. Isn't it? And so it's not. And I can't believe, like, when I saw the picture, I'm like, well, I must be a wuss because I'm looking at the guy and I'm like, he don't look that fit. And it's like, well, you know, he can apparently, I mean, this guy looked like in the photo, he looked like he was in his, he looked like he was in his sixties and he had an 80 pound pack and he could do it. And he looked like he worked in an office and I'm like, well, I guess I'm being a wuss. I guess, I mean, (laughs) I'm a climber. I'm happy to go up a thousand feet, but put me in a harness, you know, that with gear that I manage, you know, that I understand or people I trust that are belaying. I don't like doing like those rides or things that, like I didn't check this machinery. I don't know what kind of condition it's in, but put me on my own gear. And it's like, yeah, I'll go over the side. I don't want to walk on it. Not 10 inches. Mm-hmm. Don't want to walk. No, 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 no. Oh, no, and no. on top of it, are we breathing radiation air or aren't we? Well, like where wow. am I in this? Uh, and so there, there is a lot of, uh, it, it's so intriguing. Um, I came across a story of someone who gave uh, airplane tours and their built, their building is abandoned. And, and this guy uh, it's on YouTube. I'll have to get those uh, links to, but he did a few, he uh, did a video of the old hangar of the old house uh, down at, um, I think it's beggars. Was it called beggars camp? Uh, there was, uh, in, again, there was, uh, you could again, go down by trail and you could stay at this camp in the Canyon and it was a little lodge and, you know, you rode your donkey or your horse and they put you up and you could stay in the Canyon. And that of course was abandoned. The buildings were raised to the ground eventually, but the foundations are there, the pipes are there. And then now it gets loaded on as another conspiracy as to, you know, was this another like. Uh, where they were extracting information for the, you know, for the Smithsonian. And is it, you know, or is it, or is it just really the remnants of a resort, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and it's all really interesting because what I find fascinating is that a number of people have been to the Grand Canyon or they find it beautiful or they know a little bit about it, but I'm shocked that with intentional effort, the pieces of information I'm telling you guys now I thought would fall together. If I just sit down and diligently do research, I would find it all in a matter of hours. Mm -hmm. Oh, nope, not at all. And again, it was weird because I had done all these searches on mines and caves and, and the information that showed up once I was there, uh, it's weird. It's like some sort of like firewall to information that if you don't actually go, you don't get it. I don't, it's a, just a, I could be just being paranoid. Right. Right. (laughs) That's just crazy. Yeah. And as as an anthropologist, you'd think there'd be some kind of written record. Um. Yeah, and I don't think they share. I think it's in JSTOR or the other like individual papers and reports. Like, like there's a geo survey. Okay, follow this one. Exactly where the Kincaid Cave is supposed to be. I downloaded a United States government uh, geo survey. That was 67 pages and follow this exactly does the mile markers like 37 through 60. It literally overlaps the Kincaid cave location and they even sonar and LIDAR the bottom of the river. Like why is like they spent so much money they had to publish a report, but why are they publishing 
a, a government geological survey of exactly about 37 miles that overlap in Marble Canyon, which is in the Grand Canyon. There's mm -hmm. all these side canyons. If that can confuse everyone, that's, yeah, it's a confused me too. Um, but here's this geo LIDAR survey and it's free. You guys, I guess I should put that up for everyone too. I'm gonna have to write this down. Um, but, but it's interesting to look at because they take pictures of themselves doing site surveys. Like when you see right before they tear up all your roads by your house, so you can't drive anywhere. You know, they got the guys out with the tripod. They, they got pictures of them with the tripod. They got pictures of them with the sonar stuff. And, and there's this whole 60 something page report of them literally looking at the topography down to the bottom of the water. Like, why, why do you guys care what's under the river between the mile markers that include the GE Kincaid cave? Isn't that interesting? Wow. And, and, and then they spent so much money. They're like, well, we better put out a look, 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 look what we did. Here's a survey of the, of part of the grand Canyon. It's like, that's your cover. You, you put out a 67 page report that you'd, you just happen to scan that area oh, and you're doing the rest of the Canyon, but okay. I mean, were you looking for like any big statues? Were you looking for metal? Were you looking for uranium? Uh, you know, it could have been that simple, you know, it could have just be them. Uh, you know, it's a government funded study. Mm -hmm. You know, some people might think the LIDAR is cute or interesting about the, you know, there's obviously geolo geologists that can get something out of, Oh, there's a, you know, this is the way the river seems to be carving away. Now let's just imagine it back during Younger Dryas and giant flooding. And and this helps us imagine these things. But meanwhile, the whole study is just a cover because they were just like looking for more or maybe they were looking for contamination because the sad thing is like that tailing pond that's up by the Colorado at the beginning, at the end of Utah before it goes into Arizona. Uh, they are looking at where is the, you know, how is the radiation moving downstream and what kind of particulates are moving? So, I mean, there are some legit, not conspiracy, conspiracy things for those of you out there that are interested. I hope mm -hmm. somebody like picks up the hobby on this and digs a little deep for us and sends you some info and me some info. Just <laughs> throwing it out. <laughs> and who knows, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, there's like you say, the cave systems are all over there, just like they are up here in the gold country. And who knows, maybe there's the, maybe that cave, even though it's way up there, it's linked into something else. It's further down. Right. So that they're trying to find, you know? There, yeah. There's literally no way that like he throws out there. It's like, we found a cave that's 40 miles long. And it's like, well, if you know, it's 40 miles, is it long? Is it wide? Does it spider out? Does it have extra rooms? Does it have any rooms? Does like, there's no way that any anthropologist went, well, I just sorted through 40 miles of caving now that we have nanotechnology and we're doing nanoarchaeology and we're doing sedimentary nuclear DNA testing, there's no way they've gotten through 40 miles of that. Mm -mm. But, you know, those are all the things that, and, and then of course the short, con, the short conspiracy on, well, they're not giving permits to do research because they don't want anyone to find anything in those other caves. Well, someone's got to do the work. And the problem with whether or not academia doesn't want to share the locations, the problem is, is that, yeah, the one cave got burned out by people who were just like messing around. Mm -hmm. But right but right now there's information that's, granted, we have nuclear DNA sedimentary testing now, but 
do we have to wait for everything to turn to dust for us to make a move? Right. I mean, there's always going to be a better technology. So I just think that while there are those that want to adventure and, and risk their lives, even in a controlled and very safe way, I think that it would be better for us to locate and map this stuff out. And I, I don't know. Currently, I couldn't locate a publicly available map of the caves within the canyon or or the topo- and and the other thing is the topography maps are like blindingly stupid like you look at them and you're like if I stare long enough do I see a sailboat like what what am I looking at <laughs> like I'm not you know I'm not an idiot but you look at some of these topography maps and they it's almost like they want it to be too busy like you know look over here look over here and it, it's blinding. So yeah, I would love to see some actual like, okay, you did 120 miles of 100 of 270 plus miles. Well, where? Like, did you do it in a row? Did you just skip around? I mean, are we screwed? Is there like, is like the 150 or 120 miles you didn't do? Are they all mixed in with the stuff you did do? Uh, and if you did that starting in the 60s, I don't think you were using thermal drones or thermal cameras. So did you miss 27 caves with the 10 caves you found? And if they're not connected, where do they go? And if the ones that are 40 miles long, are there ones that connect to other things, like you said? Right. And then it makes you wonder, because if, if the government has decided that they're the ones that are going to look at these caves, you know, they're trying to keep everybody else out of these caves, then what the heck is in there? Right. And, and I look, and I am all for the United States government you know, getting uranium. Right. I'm, I'm not for us getting sick and having glowing fish. I'm, I'm definitely opposed to glowing fish. I'm opposed to that. But then um, if it is ancient lost technology, if it is, uh, and I know people like to jump, we really have to, we really have to shift the paradigms. I know that we're on the, I feel like we're at the Renaissance of it. It's not aliens. It's not that there aren't aliens. Right. It's that, we have such an advanced pile of ancient human technology. We need to really get our heads around the really twisted, sick, sad reality that we are living in a time that is a re-advancement. And mm-hmm. so of the technologies that they may or may not be looking for or finding, um, and because of the effort it takes, I mean, unless you're being flown in by secret black helicopters, and even if you are, you got to get dropped off. I mean, our estimation was in order for us to like do a safe descent, even 1500 feet. I mean, we were looking at like 600 to 1200 pounds worth of gear. And, and, and that would include like, well, ancillary equipment to create it. Right. So what are they doing? You know, like the government is like flying in super secret, quiet groups that are then being resupplied because you sure the hell ain't, walking out of the Canyon to go get extra water. Mm -hmm. You would need help. So then it's okay. Well, they're there, but then you have to ascend to those locations. So once you ascend, uh, who's bringing you stuff or how long are you staying up there? If it is 40 miles, are you, are you camping in, you know, you would, you wouldn't just come out. If you're splunking 40 miles of caves, you would have to create base camps. You know, you'd Mm -hmm. have to like, and that's, is it, walkable is it crawlable i mean i don't i don't know those details on that particular 40 miles so when you do find this other stuff we're talking about expeditions that would take weeks and months 
and 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 also the same amount of time in planning. So these are all really exciting things because we're literally talking to everyone out there about something you guys can possibly get involved with. I mean, it where there's a will, there's a way. And the reality is that there are permits available. There are people who want more information about the canyon. And I think that, uh, you know, the efforts should be made to go stake those claims to find something new. And if, you know, if we're not being allowed in, uh, that's the other thing is like, you really do have to be careful with this whole, uh, this whole uranium thing. You know, you really Mm got to be careful that you're not, there are whole areas near the Canyon that the tailings, uh, it's really sad. I've, I've seen the footages of it where they're like, don't, don't enter toxic waste. They just don't tell you, Oh, it's radioactive. They don't tell you that, but there are, there are, wastelands above ground or in areas that you know you're not supposed to trespass because it's radiated <laughs> wow not good you know not, not good not, 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 not good, good at, at all. all not good at all now talking about what you were just talking about a couple minutes ago now about the size of these caves well if there's one that's like the main cavern that, 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 that that's the public cavern there's yeah. got to be more in there. There's got to be more in the in the yeah. system that has big cavern things like that. So maybe like you're like when you talk about your base camps and stuff, maybe that's what they're doing is they have found these these other caves that are all connected that some of them have these huge caverns that they're able to do a base camp. Right. And so now it's like okay, we're going to have a group in the canyon, we're going to have a supply chain and what, what does that supply chain look like over the course of six weeks or seven weeks? And just running those supplies in and out. I mean, you could do it with one or two people, but that would be a full-time job. It's like uh-huh. leave in the morning. You either leave so early, and if it's mechanized, you can get supplies to the next relay, If you're depending on how far in the canyon you are, or get authorization to get it dropped by helicopter out of Pelican cases or something. I mean, there's that, have it literally rain on you. Um, there's that, you know, <laughs> here's the big. Yeah, but look what they did. Thing. You know, look what they did in, 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 in the public cave. I mean, what, what that was designed for originally. Well, and when they brought in all the food and they brought in all the supplies and put them in those big barrels so that the government officials could go in there if, if there was a nuclear war or something happened. That's, it, it's crazy. The, um, the, the 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 history that we could be taught and mm-hmm. the things that truly, I mean, there is like no limit to the interest that's in front of us in Absolutely. our, in our last seven years of history. It's, it, it'd be interesting to see. And it's so funny because you bring that up. And one of the things that just recently came up for me was someone who does urban exploration that I've never seen before. And mm-hmm. his big thing is to go into old nuclear uh, shelters I mean, what a thing to go do. It's like, yeah. oh, the door's open. It's like, I hope it doesn't lock on you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you're, you're 40, 60 feet underground, and he's going in He's going in uh, ones that are still functioning, that have power. That's crazy. I know. It's, it's, it's just another, it's a, it's another universe. But I, 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 I will tell you that we will keep, uh, I will definitely keep everyone posted. I mean, we're definitely going to go back. We're definitely going to use new equipment. We're definitely going to uh, try to run out our options for the Kincaid. Like if we don't see a thermal thing, you know, you could say that it was, oh, well, they hit it on purpose and it's protected against thermal droning. I, mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, there's, 
no and there's no end to um you know if you just want it to be there then it's there but uh some of these we're you know and in the in the momentum to find out that even some of these mysterious concrete pads that we've now gotten photos of that i'll share with people on not aliens uh there is uh other stories like the creation of the faa and sure this you know this these this superliner that ran into that other united flight i mean that that's just horrible and then it's like i didn't never heard of that and then um Again, the 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 follow up wreckage retrieval in '76, right? And, you know, there there's just so many interesting, bizarre. Ironically, the truth is irrelevant to Kincaid. The stick people, who the hell are they? Right? Uh, why are they leaving stick people in all these caves? And you know, one of the theories is that they're directional. That the stick people were placed to say you know, I'm going that way or we were here or go that way. Um, there's some theories on that. And then that's possible. Yeah, that's possible. Maybe, maybe, but it's like, that's like a, that's like really at the bottom of the, we have no idea who they are, but we're calling them the stick right. people. They have, so we have no other genetic evidence, nothing else that we can say anything about them. So there's that. And then there's, um, I guess just the, the ongoing saga of ancient or not ancient, but, even recent as in 150 years of mining that mm -hmm. means that some of these entrances are definitely from that period that there's just not i would love from our conversation from people listening that they would be able to track with us in the future as we move forward that ultimately we could put something together for people to say well here's what we know from academia here's what we know from like local stories but to create more of a a collective of Canyon information for people that would be, I think, helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you. It's always fascinating. Today was absolutely fascinating. My gosh. Thank well, th thanks for having me on. I'll, I'll get you some, uh, I'll get you a couple of the photos. We'll have to, uh, we'll okay. have to talk about that offline too. Okay. Sounds good. All right, Jared, how can people reach you? Yeah, notaliens.com. I have a member area there. That's where a lot of that stuff will go. Or not aliens on YouTube. Please sign up. I guess I am looking for subscribers despite some of their policies. And uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, not aliens on Rockfin. I'm trying to okay. post more free content for people there also. But my book is in audio in the member area. I'm slowly adding chapters. It is inclusively read. That's there available also. It should be back out in print. Uh, after it's it's being reviewed by a major publisher right now for republication. Absolutely. So for not thank aliens. you so much. This is the, I mean this was absolutely fascinating. Oh, about, thank about the Grand Canyon. I mean when you look at it, I know I've I've been there. I've done the touristy thing. You know when I was really young, walking the one yeah. you know tra rim trail, and that's scary by itself. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, my mother, my mother, did, I didn't realize how she couldn't like heights until she got on that rim trail. Uh, it's it's uh and even for people like we talk 10 inches uh some yeah. of those trails are only four to six feet wide and you might not be comfortable with that yeah i mean yeah you can still so, fall off like a domino <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it could get ugly you'd be bouncing off like like, like a pin, pin like a pinball and pinball machine boy going down on the way down too yeah <laughs> all right jared uh, thank you all right you have a good one you too all right bye-bye all right, that was our good friend Jared Murphy. It's always an adventure talking with him, and this was really an adventure today. Uh, Monday, we're going to be on our usual time at 6.30, and we're kind of changing pace. Thomas Pro 
T T Thomas Prower is going to be on. Tomas, I think is this guy, is the gentleman's name. I'm horrible with names. Is going to be on Thomas Prower. And he's going to be talking about queer magic and more and uh, morbid magic. And uh, he has a couple books out on that. So we're going to be talking with him Monday. So be sure to tune in on Monday. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're trying to get the word out more and more. And like I said in the beginning, you guys are doing a really great job doing that for us. Our downloads are, 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 are growing by leaps and bounds. And I'm real excited about that. Um, we do uh, fund this thing out of pocket. This is a nonprofit. So if you can find it in your heart to donate a little bit to us, you can do that at paypal.me at California Hot. So we can keep really cool guests coming in like Jared. And uh, YouTube's an issue. YouTube's been an issue for a while in that, you know, unless you have a certain number of subscribers, you're not going to get a dedicated URL to your page. And that's been our problem. And no matter how much you Google, how much you, you know, put the names into these shows, you're not going to get to our YouTube page. So the best way to subscribe to help us out there is to go to our uh, webpage at www.CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. Click on the video there and you can get to our YouTube page. All of our interviews are there. So then you have to, so then you can subscribe because we need a certain amount of subscribers to get our dedicated URL on YouTube. So if you could help me out by doing that, that would be great. Otherwise, um, visit our webpage and uh, we'll be doing a major update tonight on that and get everything caught up. And you guys can see every video going back for the last for the last year because we're, we're we're in our second season right now. So I'm real excited about that. Anyway, thank you guys, and I will see you Monday. And uh, have a good weekend. This time I'll remember to push the buttons right.